it becomes very apparent how our consciousness is held in our energy body because you can meet someone you've never met before scan their chakras and know things about them that they haven't told you and you can find where they might have a kink in their consciousness that's holding them back from happiness and you can work with them to unkink that and it might bring tears and it might bring revelations and realizations and you feel so much better on the other side because this part of you that's designed to be in this fluid connection with everything is suddenly able to do that again. Hi, it's Nicole Sharanam and welcome back to Connectedly. I'm so excited to share today's special guest who is a dear friend of mine. If you've ever wanted to learn more about consciousness and its relationship to happiness, If you've ever wondered why you were happy when you walked into a room and left feeling really anxious without any obvious reasons, or if you want to learn about how energy impacts your emotions and is consciousness held in our energy body, then today's for you. Just before I introduce our next guest, I'd love to invite you to please write a review for this podcast. Every time a review is posted, the algorithm gets a little nudge and it acknowledges us and the light gets brighter, giving us the chance to pass the torch for women who are still stuck in darkness. So today's guest is Guy Anderson, whose passion is bridging the scientific and mystical understanding of human consciousness and how to uplift it. Her project, The Consciousness Connection, weaves scientific research with accessible spiritual tools to help people activate their consciousness and light up their lives. Apart from her work with The Consciousness Connection, Gayatri is currently completing her PhD on the psychology of unconditional love at Leeds Beckett University. She sees clients one-on-one and works as a mindset and leadership consultant specializing in consciousness science. There's some mind-blowing wisdom that's about to be dropped. So join us as we talk all things happiness, connection, consciousness, and energy. So let's get straight into it. Please welcome Gayatri. Hi, Gayatri. Thank you so, so much for being here. I I can't even tell you how happy I am to have you here and, (laughs) and to celebrate you and your wisdom and what you have to offer to the world with this community of women that we have to introduce you, the the first thing that comes to mind is I want to share your wisdom and your calmness. And when I think of you, I think of when I was a kid and I had boundless joy that was this childlike joy that just was easy, you know, it was simple. It was right there and tangible and it was with me all the time. And when I am with you, I feel that. So I just want to say thank you so much um, for being so beautiful and wonderful. And I can't wait to get into this interview to share that feeling with other people. Yeah, thank you so much. It's such a delight to be here. Gayatri, tell us, first of all, what you do. And I think maybe a little bit about your childhood. Yeah, sure. So I grew up basically between these two families my parents separated when I was very young. And so I had one family that was a very, very spiritual family and one family that was more scientifically based family. And so my mom started on a spiritual path pretty much when my parents separated, kind of as a result really of the the kind of chaos of 
that. Like it's such an upheaval in anybody's life, a separation. And she came came in from from a path of no spirituality really whatsoever. She had this big healing experience. She recovered instantaneously from an illness that had been going on for three months through having a healing with someone. And she just had never experienced anything like that. Her heart opened. She had all this joy that she'd not had in months, if not years. And she kind of dedicated her life in that moment to to studying that. And so as a kid, you know, you're really open, as you said in, in the introduction, you're really open to the magical and the joyful and you're really open to love. So my experience of that was that you know, she she started coming home with this magic. It was like having magic dust come home with your mama. <laughs> and she started talking about, you know, meditation and, and, and connection inside and maybe angels here and there or crystals or we started learning energy healing together and she would teach me little bits that she was learning and she gradually became a teacher of various modalities and she would want to learn everything so she would invite the the senior shaman or the senior guru or the this or the that over to our house to stay with us. And she'd get a group of people together so that the shaman could teach them. But then we'd have shaman at the dinner table. And so I'd be this kid like asking questions and, and just having this sheer joy at having this curtain opened to this other reality, to the reality that most people seem to be living in. And so for me as a kid, it was like, wow, this makes so much sense. And it makes more intuitive sense than the rest of the world made. And so I kind of just really wanted to immerse myself and learn everything that she and all of her teachers had to offer. And then meanwhile, I had my dad and, and his family. And it was like having these opposite realities in these opposite households um, that both worked. But my dad's version of spirituality was really more to do with extreme sports and, you know, jumping off mountains on skis and like flying planes with no engines. And so learning with him the value of the physical world and science and logic and rationality. And with my mom, this like magical world of spirituality and love and joy and expansion was a really fascinating way to grow up. <laughs> It sounds fascinating. I f almost feel like you could make a movie about that. <laughs> and and just the, 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 the image of almost, you know, you as a kid, I can just imagine having dinner, at the, you know, with all these guests around the table. I think any of us would give our, you know, right arm to be able to have those experiences. And, and wow, what a blessing for you to be able to have that as a kid, to, to be able to take on so much wisdom so quickly. I think the other thing that was going on for me was that, like any kid from a split family, there were the gifts of that in terms of, you know, these these two sets of of life skills and life lessons and, and different types of magic. But there was also the pain of feeling a bit split. And I think for me, spirituality was the balm that I needed for that. And so there was something about being quite young, but but knowing that this spirituality was going to be the, the balm that that kind of reassembled that or or made these things that seemed separate and and kind of irreconcilable able to be woven into a new kind of a thing that was even more beautiful than what 
I had expected would be life with with your family being in one in one place and and together. So it was yeah, it was a real gift in that in that way too. And I imagine that's also something that you were able to take with you for the rest of your life, trying to balance both sides, these op- complete opposites, right? So yeah, definitely. So as an adult, I guess my you know because I grew up mainly with my mom and I started teaching her work quite young started teaching meditation and and I just witnessed all these people transforming so quickly like people would come with depression and anxiety and just be transformed and and liberated and free to live different lives and even people with all kinds of different illnesses like physical illnesses experiencing healing and then and then you know loving my dad so much and wanting to have conversations with him about my whole life not just the bit that he understood so I went off and studied psychology and different forms of science particularly the science of consciousness because I really felt like even though these worlds seem like they're totally different from each other it's one it's one world it's one universe and the gifts from both are part of the beauty of the one the one big thing and so the fact that there's not a scientific language to explain why these people are having these incredible results is only a matter of not yet you know because i science should be about connecting with and explaining you know the phenomena of the universe and this was was phenomena that that we were experiencing and so it felt really good to kind of go off and study that and learn of ways to talk about and also understand this in a way that could be communicated to people who are not spiritual um because i i think spirituality is often seen as something separate from the real world whereas for me it just is the real world if you see what i mean and so learning how to encompass it all has been really fun (laughs) i think that's an interesting point what is spirituality to you let's let's elaborate on that because i think that is the word spirituality scares so many people yeah such a great point such a great topic so i think it is really different for so many people but one of the massive distinctions i think is that you know religion is something that is a bit outside in and so it's a set of beliefs uh, a system for living that you learn from the outside and you know you follow that path and you're with a group of people also following that path and there's quite a lot of rules and, and regulations and things spirituality i think refers more to an inner experience and so your outer experience of religion or of a particular path can shape your inner experience, but your inner experience is yours. So I said that my dad was not really into spirituality. He wouldn't call it that, but we've had chats where he talks about being in a glider, a plane with no engine, and just being in nature and having only his skill and the controls of the aircraft between him and death, basically, but also only a tiny little bit of fiberglass between him and nature and how sacred that is and what a profound experience that is and it makes his mind go still and it kind of expands and so that is a type of spirituality it doesn't have to look a particular way or you know or be a particular thing my phd supervisor steve taylor he has spent his whole life well not his whole life his whole academic career 
really interested in awakening experiences and it's really fascinating hearing him talk about them because you would think that they would happen in these context of going off and meditating in a cave for thousands of years not thousands but <laughs> it feels like thousands but actually people have these experiences with no sense of connection to anything spiritual that they would say you know just in nature or you know whatever maybe sometimes after big calamities happen in their lives people sometimes have these spontaneous experiences where they feel connected with everything they feel a sense of going through their normal reality into this expanded consciousness, for want of a better word, where there's just this peace and joy and maybe insights about their problems that are coming from a bird's eye view rather than from the enmeshment in it. And that is, is a spiritual experience or a self-transcendent experience, but it doesn't have to come with any dogma or any, any particular shoulds or rules. Um, which I like about about spirituality. Yeah, I love that. I think having your own your own version of spirituality to what relates to you, like as in your dad's experience, I think that's fantastic. That's so it's so relatable, isn't it? It doesn't mean that it has to be what this textbook says, but rather it's how you interpret it. and and you've tapped on a word that obviously is is dear to this podcast, which is connection. And I would love to understand a little bit more about connection, what you think connection is in your, what's your definition of connection and how that relates to consciousness as well. Let's kind of unravel that a little bit. Yeah. Okay. This is a total passion area we're getting into. Like, I feel like I need to come with like a warning clause about this because yeah, the work that I do at the moment is actually branded in a in a bubble called the consciousness connection because of exactly that that alignment between consciousness and connection which you and I have talked about often so from my spiritual experience as well as from my academic study of consciousness what I'm fascinated by is that consciousness is not what we're taught it is so we seem to learn in our society that our consciousness is something that comes out of our brain. And that, that seems like a really normal statement. Like no one would bat an eyelid. People would think, well, yeah, you know, tell us something interesting, Gayatri. <laughs> Whereas actually what's being revealed in, in consciousness science is that the idea that consciousness comes from the, the physical matter of our, of our brain is not one, it's not a hypothesis that fits all of the data. So for example, a lot of people are having near-death experiences and there's a lot of, of books coming out recently of you know neuroscientists who didn't believe in anything other than the material body producing consciousness, having experiences where their brain completely dies. There's no measurable activity whatsoever in the brain. You should be dead. And yet they have these really rich, incredible, colorful, flavorsome experiences of consciousness where they learn things. You know, some of them are having experiences where they, they meet their ancestors, right, in these near-death experiences. And they learn things that they didn't know about their, their genetic heritage, which they're then able, when they come back and they regain their health, they're able to verify that fact 
you know, but they didn't know it before. Like they're, that is, that's consciousness, you know, but the brain is dead. So what is that? It's hanging out the side of the theory that our brain produces consciousness. So from a spiritual perspective, that makes total sense. And the the framework that my mom teaches, which I absolutely love, is a model that says that our consciousness is not only what we're thinking, but it's also our energy body. It's also our physical body. It's our nervous system. It's our cellular memory in the body. It's our spirit and it's our soul. And also it's it's this infinite connected oneness. And that could sound quite trippy. Science hasn't kind of gotten to the point where it's differentiated in, in those ways. But what, what the scientific world is saying is maybe consciousness is actually primary to matter. So like how in the universe you have mass and gravity and, you know, the space, space and time are just there. You don't try to nut them down into more primary parts. They just are. They're saying maybe consciousness is part of that primary nature of reality. And some scientists call that information rather than consciousness. But it's like every little teensy-weensy atom or subatomic particle, the teensiest ones, are made of this information that that makes that subatomic particle know how to behave and how to link up with other ones and how to behave in that way and how to, you know, gets bigger and bigger until it gives rise to to people like us. There's lots of theories. I'm not sure kind of like I said, it should come with a warning. I'm not sure how much to go into, but because um, I do get excited about it. But um, if people are interested, they could look up um, integrated information theory. Um, but there are even there's even one particular neuroscientist who spent most of his life trying to prove that the brain is you know the physical neurons of the brain give rise to every single experience that we have in consciousness and he eventually decided that actually even if there's correlations between those neuro neurons firing and particular experiences in consciousness it doesn't explain how the physical brain is is creating that you know and so he's now come over to this idea of panpsychism which is this idea of consciousness being just a part of the way the universe is so what does that mean for us in terms of connection i guess it's it it means that there's there's fields of consciousness that are held in quantum rather than just consciousness being a separate thing inside of our head you know it's not our consciousness is not just in here. And this explains why sometimes you can have contagious consciousness and you can walk into a room and you are feeling fine and then suddenly you're feeling very stressed. <laughs> and it's like, whoa, what, what's just happened? I'm good. Like, am I good? Yeah, I think I'm good. But now I'm really stressed because you've just walked into a room of stressed people and you haven't even had a chance for your conscious brain to receive the information that they're stressed, but you already know because your consciousness is in your energy, not only in your in your brain. So there's this innate connection that we have with others that comes through the fact that our consciousness is is just not discrete like that. It's 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 blurring around the place. I feel like we need like one of those mind blown moments, right? Like it is huge because I think having this conversation with lots of different people, the reaction that 
often you'll get is that you get kind of a blank stare because that is really hard to comprehend that it's not because often we walk around this life thinking we are just this you know I am just this and I'm not connected to everything you know it's just me which is such a fascinating topic I'm I'm right there with you <laughs> I would love to know before we get into the happiness piece and how that relates to connection I think I really want you just to quickly talk about the consciousness connection and what it is that you do through the consciousness connection okay so the consciousness connection is about the fact that through our consciousness, we're connected to everything. So through our consciousness, we're connected to the people that we love because we're digesting our relationships through our emotions and through our thoughts. And then we're responding to the people that we love through our emotions and our thoughts. So definitely in relationships, but also our connection with the earth is is through our consciousness. You can do practices that make you feel much more grounded on the planet, much more connected. Our connection to the divine or the infinite or or the limitless or inspiration, all of that comes through through consciousness. But that sounds very kind of general and in a way it is. And so in the consciousness connection, we're looking at these five different parts of our consciousness and how those connect us or or how kinks or clogs in those parts of our consciousness can disconnect us from ourselves, from the universe and from each other. So particularly the energy body is a passion of mine at the moment, because when I see clients one-on-one, it becomes very apparent how our consciousness is held in our energy body. Because you can meet someone you've never met before, scan their chakras and know things about them that they haven't told you And you can find just through touching someone's energy body where they might have a kink in their consciousness that's holding them back from happiness or from connecting better with their partner or from, you know, knowing what their purpose is. And you can work with them to unkink that. And it might bring tears and it might bring revelations and realizations. And you feel so much better on the other side because this part of you that's designed to be in this fluid connection with everything is suddenly able able to do that again and it's just the difference between like it's a chalk and cheese kind of difference in how you live your life yeah great so I think it's that um thing that I was talking about from from more of a scientific perspective before about consciousness maybe doesn't just arise from our brains so say it's floating around in in fields that that kind of explains this notion that you know Elizabeth Gilbert talks about this a lot that you receive ideas sometimes you know artists who who write music or that kind of thing they'll often talk about i didn't write the song the song just started playing itself through me and i kind of caught it you know so this idea that consciousness is more fluid than just coming from our brains kind of explains a lot of these these things so then how is it, so, so if consciousness is, is this limitless, infinite thing that the whole universe is maybe made of, then how is it that we as humans have these, this separate kind of consciousness? And so, of course, we have the physical part of our consciousness, which is our, our nervous system and our, and our brain, and we need that. So that's kind of like how to watch TV, we need a television set. So 
the brain is kind of like the re receiver in this model of, of consciousness. And so if there's a problem with the television set or if there's a problem with the brain, the consciousness kind of won't come through. But for example, memory, they've never found in the brain where memory lives exactly. You know, they've found parts that if you damage it, memory goes, but not where memory is stored. And so through the, the Vedic system, which is a, an ancient Indian system, they've always had this notion that human beings have energy bodies. And so there's an aura or a bubble of energy that we live in that's kind of like, you know, what keeps me, my energy body separate from your energy body. And then there's also a set of chakras that are like, each one is like a filing cabinet for a different part of our consciousness. So for example, the crown chakra is about, you know, our capacity to meditate, to access higher consciousness, to have inspiration and, and ideas. The base chakra is about safety, connection to the earth, physical health, groundedness, practicality. And you've got this range all the way through. The heart chakra is about love and, and relationships, but also about the health of the physical heart. And, and it's interesting because in medicine, they talk about the phenomena of people dying of a broken heart. You know, elderly couples, when their, their spouse dies, they often will die quite soon after. They literally call it dying of a broken heart. If you look at that through the chakral system, the heart chakra is looking after both heart health and love health, you know. And so the, the, the grief or the, the damage to, in the love department, you know, it affects the, the chakra's capacity to look after its physical component and, you know, and the, and the heart fails. So it's, it's this way of our consciousness being organized through the body. And another example is, you know, if you get stressed or nervous, you might feel that in your guts, in your belly. And there's a chakra there that's all about your, your concept of self, like self-awareness, self-consciousness, is anybody judging me, is all in that area. And that's where we feel that part of emotion. And I guess, so in my line of work, what I see is that, you know, our energy body, like our nervous system, it stores things from our ancient past in this life, but also recent things, you know, something might've happened yesterday that was stressful in this way or th that way, or you know, an interaction with a colleague or, or with a child that has put something in our energy body that maybe is not ours, without knowing that we have an energy body, we could kind of carry that emotion around for ages and it can kind of squish us and it can dim our light and it can make life feel a little bit heavier than, than it could feel. So, so, it's, so in the consciousness connection, there's a lot about learning how to know that you have this going on and then also how to clean it. Something that has been occurring to me recently is how much like Hogwarts it is really. Like if you think about Harry Potter and how he was magical all along, he was magical before he went to Hogwarts, you know, but before he knew about his magic, he was blowing stuff up. When he got emotional, his cousin ended up in the snake pit, which is not such a good thing, you know, because he doesn't know how to use his magic. And then Hagrid comes along and says, you're a wizard, Harry, and takes him off. And he goes, oh my God, I have magic. I didn't even know I had it. And now let me learn how to use it. So from my perspective, growing up with these things being as tangible as a table to me, 
it's really beautiful watching people realize, oh my God, there's so much more to me. I have so much more power and more capacity than I ever knew I had. And I've been kind of driving a Ferrari without a license. And now let me learn how to how to operate that for, for joy rather than getting operated by it. Gosh, I love that. We're all wizards. I, I like that you've given us license to, yes. <laughs> to all be wizards. <laughs> That's fantastic. I want to I want to ground this down then into the theme of of what we we love to talk about at connectedly and that's happiness. What is happiness to you first first of all? Define happiness in your words. Mm, well, I think uh for me joy has been something that's actually coming up a lot in my personal practice but also in my research as something that can just rise up inside of you kind of like helium in a balloon and that your heart just lifts. So for me, I think when I'm in that state, my heart's really open. There's no self-consciousness. I don't feel separate from, from nature or from other people or wondering what I should and shouldn't. I just feel like, you know, <laughs> sorry, a gesture sometimes speaks a thousand words. But there's a surrender in it, there's a trust in it, there's a safety in it, and there's a spark in it. And I think for me, when I'm in that, I feel more myself than ever. And I notice also that when I'm in that place, the universe responds. So it usually generates some some sense of flow where the synchronicities you need are there right when you need them. Wow, that's amazing. And And then off the back of that, in terms of happiness and consciousness, a lot of people are going through life. A lot of um, our listeners are women and mums and they're working very fast and hard and there's a lot of chores, a lot of things to do. And we're all trying to take on pieces of advice like, you know, self-care, boundaries, got to do this, got to do that, got to look after myself, got to try and still find happiness. How are we pulling all this together? Yeah, look, so there's so many things. And as you say, we don't want to be overwhelming with it because actually sometimes the simplicity with happiness is is a real key I know from my life one of the times that I came back into happiness after having a tricky physiological relate like I had an illness that led to some depression and even though it was a neurological illness that that caused the depression self-compassion was a simple thing that was able to pull me out of that right in that moment, like from the mo- from the time of initiating the self-compassion practice to feeling that helium start to lift me out of that sense of depression was kind of only a couple of hours, maybe a day. Because I think sometimes we're just so hard on ourselves and sometimes we can start a spiritual path or a path of personal development and learn all of these tools that are supposed to nourish us, but then use them like whips and, you know, see it as, well, here's more deficit that I have where there's this big gap between here and there. And I think for me, self-compassion accepts everything as it is, says this is the learning journey that I'm on and this challenge that I'm in is going to become part of my magic so I can love myself now and work towards where I'm going. So that would be one superpower tool. 
But then also I couldn't kind of not say also that cleaning our chakras, cleaning our energy body, cleaning the matter of our consciousness can be another huge unburdener. And you can do it really quickly in like 10 minutes a day. And it can help you to be open to some of the natural joys of the universe in a different way. Wonderful. So you mentioned self-compassion. How how do we practice self-compassion? What, a, what, what how, we can't just go, you know, I'm going to flick the switch and I'm, I, I love myself now. You know, what's, <laughs> what's, what's some practical tips or tools that you could give us? So practical tips and tools. Firstly, I would love to recommend a website that is self-compassion.org, which has a whole range of tips and tools. But essentially, the easiest thing that I could say is, how can I make my mind talk to myself as if I was a friend? So say you are going on a date and it's date number two and the date rings you and says, I can't come, blah, 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 whatever. They stand you up. If it was a friend how would you talk to that person? Like, how would you comfort them? How would you reassure them versus how would you talk to yourself? So with us, it's like, oh my God, they must hate me because of this and this and this, and I've gained weight and I'm not very funny. And da, 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 da. you know, whereas if it was a friend, we would say, oh yeah, they must've had something else on. They're missing out on the best thing ever. You're gorgeous. You've got nothing to worry about. How about we watch a movie or go and like have a bath and put like whatever it is we'd be so different with a friend to how we are with ourselves and so self-compassion mainly is this skill of treating ourselves with that same kindness that we that we treat everybody else with beautiful be your own best friend so nice if somebody wants to access their consciousness and they want to be more aware of that consciousness how do we achieve that so an easy way to start is often through really simple um, chakra based meditations so uh, yeah there are there are all kinds of little meditations that you can find you can certainly find some through our organization and there are lots of others who do them where you're taught how to bring your awareness into the various places where your chakras are connected into your nervous system And so you start to feel like it just enhances your self-awareness. And like you say, your awareness of your own consciousness and what the flotsam and jetsam is that's in there. And you might learn techniques to, to breathe through that and release certain things and to breathe in light. And and sometimes it, it, it's enough just to use metaphor with this because, you know, another way to talk about energy would be to say that that's our unconscious and that our unconscious, you know, it, 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 even without taking the energy body totally out of it, which sometimes I would do talking to more academic or scientifically minded people, there's so much research in the sphere of psychotherapy and that kind of thing about the power of metaphor and visualization and, and the use of imagination to shift how our unconscious is holding our relationship to our life and to the world around us. And then when we shift that unconscious relationship that we're holding, our whole experience shifts. It's like night and day. So we can kind of learn how to tune in to what our imagination is telling us is going on in our consciousness and, and shift those 
those stories and those, those visualizations. It sounds more complicated than it is actually. <laughs> so you don't have to be a wizard to learn this stuff. You can be your average Joe off the street that, that knows nothing about chakras or anything. You could, yeah, be a beginner. Absolutely. You can absolutely be a beginner and you can start really kind of as a passenger, like in these meditations, you kind of sit and listen. Like, I think people are quite scared of the word meditation because we think, oh my God, I can't make my mind go quiet for half an hour. But what if it's 10 minutes and you don't have to make your mind go quiet? You can just sit and close your eyes and have this nurturing thing that's guided for you where you are kind of watching as your consciousness, you know, notices and releases different things. You know, your self-knowledge grows just naturally. It's almost like an accident that you end up growing your awareness of your consciousness. And I love that, that it, it, it's actually so natural to us, but just forgotten. Like it's like imagination is something that I think is seen as, as children's stuff. But actually, our imagination is the language of our unconscious. It's the language of the energy body. And so as soon as we give it permission to start coming back, it just gives us this wealth of information. And in my experience, learning about how to perceive these things, the difference between not being able to and being able to was this realization of, oh, it was that thing that I've just relegated over here and and turned off my acknowledgement of and now I'm just bringing it in into the center so it's a, it's a lot easier than than you would ever think it would be Gayatri I'd love to know you know you obviously do a lot and you've got your PhD and everything else that you're going through at the moment but I would love to know what you're most passionate about at the moment what project are you kind of working on is there something coming up you want to share what what's your thing at the moment well I think my thing at the moment is in general this curriculum of consciousness for people who don't necessarily need to be wizards but still have magic that's easily accessible <laughs> inside so so the consciousness connection is is this body of work that goes through really simply how to how to work all of these different parts of consciousness and how to upskill people into this what what i notice is that people who come through this work, which actually my mom and I created, they just become kind of resonant. And there's a, there's a natural peace and harmony and they still have challenges, but they're able to take those challenges almost like in a Taekwondo move and kind of flip them into working for them. <laughs> and, and even though, you know, someone said to me recently about, about this work, they said, this is the most challenging time of my life. And that's why I found you is because I'm in the, the most difficult thing that I've ever been through in my life. And she said, but because of this work, I'm also weirdly the happiest I've ever been in my life and have the most love going on that I've ever had in my life. And that's it. It's like, the, in terms of my passion, <laughs> that life is supposed to be, you know, all the things that it is in terms of its hot and cold and sweet and sour but we can have like liberation and authenticity and connection and joy anyway yeah I think that would be my passion at the moment <laughs> that's so nice and juicy isn't it that concept because I think a lot of people walk through life thinking I've got all these hardships so how do you expect me to be happy like come on you know yeah yeah and without without being 
uncompassionate or discompassionate, whatever that word is, because sometimes it is really hard and it's also okay to be sad and it's also okay to be angry or to feel powerless. It's more like how do we feel it and then feel like we can also move through it if we want to. Which is actually a really great segue because I have a question from one of the women in our happiness club. We call it a happiness club. It's where women come together online and we network and talk about everything. And one of the questions was, if we are caught up in anger or resentment towards someone, it could be our partner or a child or a business or like a boss, for example, how do you move through that toward happiness? So there's there's some conceptual things that are easy to say and take just a bit of practice to do, I think. So one thing would be, how do I find acceptance? And part of that for me in those situations, usually anger is saying there's been some kind of injustice, there's been some kind of crossed boundary. And so when I'm in a situation where I can't, uncross the boundary like it's not in my power to push out whatever has has come in kind of thing then what I need from myself usually is to know that I back myself to know that I know what my reality is and what I what I'm worthy of and what I deserve and that I'm here and that even if reality hasn't given me that I I still know that I'm worthy of that and that helps me I think to accept, ah, that person is is out of order or that situation is out of order, but I don't have to give it my power. I don't have to let it take me over. I don't have to even convince that person that I'm right because in my being, I know that I'm right for me. So there's actually, and, and I, I would also do lots of forgiveness work, which has not a really beautiful energetic effect, but sometimes we're not ready for forgiveness yet. We have to feel it first and accept it and feel it. But there's actually a really great practice that I do sometimes. And I, I wanted, would that be okay to just run a little practice and we could do an experiment? Oh, so good. Cool. So we can do this with anger, but also with anything that we feel like we've given our power to. So I, I use this sometimes with anxiety as well where I feel like something's happened in my life and I can't stop thinking about it, about how unjust it is or or how scared I am that maybe I've done the wrong thing or like any of those kinds of things. So if you'd like to just close your eyes and what we're going to do is use a metaphor of calling our energy back from that situation and cutting from it. So just close your eyes and just take a few breaths to center in yourself. And you might take your awareness to the center of your chest to just connect with you right now. And if there is anger or fear or anxiety, just be with that. Hello. That's okay. I'm here with you. And then think about the situation or the person or organization, institution, whatever the thing is that's causing the infringement upon your consciousness. You know, that sense of pressure that something's pushing in or pulling you out of yourself because you can't stop thinking about it. Think of that thing. And imagine that metaphorically speaking, there are all these cords of attachment between you and that thing. Maybe like olden day telephone wires, 
between us and that thing. And what we're going to do is we're going to cut these telephone wires. And what I like to do is actually use my arms because it's really fun and satisfying, like samurai swords. And so you breathe in, you might want to open your eyes for a demonstration. You breathe in and you go cut, cut, cut like this. It's really fun. And you release as you cut and you cut these cords and imagine that they're just breaking and that that thing just has no power to pull or push your energy anymore. So you can do it a couple of times. Cut, cut, cut. I say cut out loud. And then I breathe in and I go, <laughs> sound effects optional. And I might say or think, I release the energy of that thing from my mind, body and energy field now and breathe in and imagine lots of light streaming in through your consciousness and pushing out anything that's not yours and feel the power in it. Just this metaphorical practice. We're just using our imagination. If you like, we're using real energy through our imagination, breathing in and releasing. Great, excellent. And then say, and I call my energy back. And so just intend that you call your energy back from that thing. So what I do using metaphorical language again, is I imagine a big blazing shining sun between me and the thing or the person. And I imagine that all of the energy that I've invested in that thing through all of my worries and my second guessing and my overthinking and my neurotic, da, 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 all of that, <laughs> I imagine that all of that energy comes back towards me, but it goes through the sun. So it stops in the sun and in the sun, imagine the sun is just blazing purity, freedom, love, grace, whatever it is that you think would be helpful to your imagination, your metaphor, <laughs> you go for it. And imagine that this energy of yours is just cleansed of all of that worry, all of that fear. It's cleansed of all of the anger. It's cleansed of all of the stuff of the other person just cleansed and restored and and then call it back to you when it's clean and you can say or think I call back my energy I re-empower myself I know I'm enough I reclaim my wholeness my enoughness my power and my spirit so be it and breathing in and hold and let that expand through you and feel that sense of kind of satisfaction, I want to say, as if you're now shining like the sun. And just feeling inside that no matter what anybody else or anything else does, you are you and no one can take that away from you. You have permission to be fully yourself. And then when you're ready, just opening your eyes. Great. How's that feeling? As my 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 one mouthpiece for the audience here. <laughs> yeah, look, that was amazing. It it you said satisfied and I got that straight away, but I also had so much freedom and like almost like doing a tap dance, you know, like woohoo, you know. <laughs> I'm free. Yeah, it's like liberation. And it 
yeah, it's like sometimes we think that because that person is carrying on like a who's he, what's it, I can't be myself and I can't be free because you're being oppressive. But actually it's like, oh, wait a second, I'm me. Like it, it's such a such a strange shift in consciousness to realize, oh, I have this freedom anyway. Mm, like my con- <clears throat> my my happiness and my connection to myself and the world around me isn't driven by anyone else totally totally I actually (laughs) a long time ago I wrote a song about this called happy for no reason and it and it just the story of it was that I was in India on a retreat that that my mom was running with some beautiful people we were doing these energy practices every day and it just felt so shiny and radiant and then I got really sick and I was in bed and I couldn't go to the retreat where all my friends were And I was like, just, you know, when there's just, you're just clogged in all of your your nose and you can't speak and your throat's sore and your chest and you're coughing. And I woke up in this total like of illness. And I just felt in my heart, this joy, this just total radiant, like resonating joy. And I thought, well, that's weird. (laughs) And it felt like the joy wrote this song, Happy For No Reason. And it's all about how, you know, if you throw a rock at the sun, nothing's going to happen except that the sun's going to turn that rock into its own light. And there's something about, you know, there is this unconditional potential for joy, regardless of what's happening. And we don't have to feel that we can totally feel angry and upset if we want to, but sometimes we can have these glimpses and it's it's life-changing. I love the sound of having joy through snot. That sounds amazing. That's right. Sorry, it's a bit graphic. But so true. Like if you, it goes to show you that you, you can, even with those things going on, there's more than that. There's more than that. Yeah, I really love that. What we might do is a quick fire round where we just ask a couple quick questions and you give us some quick answers and if it's okay with you I would love to share a link to your song uh, in the show notes so that people can find that song yeah sure 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 that'd be lovely okay okay so what's your favorite book it could be just at the moment or forever it's your call oh one of my favorite books at the moment is spiritual science by steve taylor Yeah, just beautiful science with stories and hearts about all of this stuff. Best advice about happiness you've ever been given? Hmm. I think that it doesn't have to be contingent on anything or anybody, that that it can arise from within. What are you trying to unlearn? Oh, I think I'm trying to unlearn self consciousness. (laughs) <laughs> with a self-conscious giggle at the end of that answer <laughs> that's that's honesty and it's best <laughs> if you could wave a fairy wand what would you change about the world I would change the illusion of separation <laughs> I would change yeah this illusion that we're all like marbles in a box bouncing around by ourselves you know fending for ourselves and and separate from the things that impact us and help people realize that we're, we're one with everything. We have, we have more power to make a difference than we know. And one practical tool that we could put into practice today 
to help us achieve more happiness? I think give love. I think I think when we start to consciously give love to the people that we meet, so whether it's the grocery store person or you know a taxi driver or someone that you're running past in the park to really start seeing people as blobs of love that you have this joy to witness that person in that moment as love on legs and send love to them there's something about that speaking of connection that connects us with the other person it pops us out of our own little self bubble And it starts to build more and more filaments of love into our heart. Our heart chakras pop open and that's the gateway to joy. That's wonderful. I love that. More love. Thank you so much. And thank you so much for sharing your time with us today. I know you're very busy doing a lot of things and making the world better, which we're very grateful for. So thank you for sharing that wisdom, for breathing the joy and the love into our day just through this interview. Thank you so much. And I'll put all the links and everything in the show notes so everyone can find you. Great. Thank you so much. It's been such a pleasure and, and so beautiful that you're doing what you're doing. So I'm, I'm looking forward to, to hearing all of the other talks. Thank you so much. Thanks, Gayatri. Thanks so much for being with us today. Isn't Gayatri just amazingly gorgeous inside and out? She's just beautiful. So here's the takeaways. Spirituality doesn't need dogma or strict rules. It's about finding a personal interpretation of spirituality that resonates with you. It's an inner experience. Consciousness does not solely arise from the physical brain. And it's not limited to the brain, but encompasses very aspects of our being, including our energy body, our spirit, and our soul. Be your best friend. Treat yourself with the same kindness and compassion you would offer a friend in challenging situations. And this can be a powerful tool for shifting your mindset and nurturing your well-being. A simple chakra-based meditation can be accessible, can be an accessible entry point for anyone, even beginners to begin exploring their consciousness. So these practices can really enhance self-awareness and provide valuable insights into finding harmony and peace. So don't forget to join our growing community of women who are tired of chasing unrealistic happiness goals in the Women's Happiness Movement on Facebook. Until next week, so much love to you. And remember, you are worthy, you are loved. Just keep going.